We've got new Xbox backers, Edge turns it up to 11, and there's a bunch of questions to answer this week. Happy Friday, friends! We, uh, and by we, I mean I, took off last week because it was the bird holiday. And bird holiday means Brad is going to be plumped full of the, the turkeys and the other things. And so we did, there were, it's a holiday week, there was nothing to talk about. And, and realistically, we're heading towards like a crazy calamity time of slowing down, actually, right? We had September, whatever you want to call it, in October and September, and even bled into November with the Xbox Series price cuts. And now we're headed into December. It is officially December 2nd, which means that the holidays are here and people are shopping and all the deals are on the shelves. I'm not expecting, I say this, I'm not expecting a ton of news to come out over the next few weeks, but on the other side, there's like massive regulatory things going on. So I do expect some news to come out over the next few weeks either way let's dive in hopefully you had a wonderful week i had a pretty good week and we'll talk about more of everything let's just go microsoft edge has crossed 11 percent market share this is a massive win for microsoft who has been really floundering in the browser market ever since the chrome came out and the, e the edge the ie went down and microsoft has been trying to fight back and so very slowly but surely edge is gaining market share as microsoft continues to just really include it out of the box for uh, Windows 11 and 10 for that matter, I should say. Uh, but it appears that people are sticking with it by more and more. Also, Windows 10 has dipped below 70%, which means Windows 11 continues to climb. Both of these stats come from StatCounter, so there's a bit of degree of variation between them. But just know that Windows 10 is slowly dropping, but still 70% of market share for Windows 10 is a lot for more than a year uh, after Windows 11 first came out. But either way, uh, yeah, bada bing, bada boom. Things are moving along, I think, slowly in the direction that Microsoft wants for Windows. Uh, they're getting real aggressive, by the way, with those Windows 11 update prompts. If you're on Windows 10, like, it's now a full-screen splash thing. And it's like, do it now, do it later. And then, like, little over, over in the corner, it says, maybe not, never, ever. And uh, so Microsoft's getting much, much more aggressive with that. Uh, speaking of Windows 11, Microsoft has finally fixed that copy bug. So this is, I believe, primarily impacting uh, a network share. Now, it is not SMB uh, server, server message block, I believe. Uh, related actually, but it is now fixed and it will be coming in a cumulative update. So if you've been having slow copies, Microsoft has finally fixed that. They've also fixed another gaming performance issue on Windows 11. It's going to be coming with KB5020044, because I know that's the number that just rolls right off the tongue. Uh, and that is going to finally fix some of that gaming perf issues if you're a gamer on Windows 11. So that is good. Also, Windows 11 build 25252, which is a little bit easier to say, now has a new VPN status, which I'm a big fan of, actually. I think this is a great little addition. So if you're connected to a VPN, now your connectivity like your little uh, Ethernet or Wi-Fi thing will show a little VPN mark and that's great because I VPN into the office all the time and sometimes you forget and then you're just it slows things down if you don't need to be VPN then don't be VPN in and so it's just a nice little way to know whether you are or are not it also looks like Microsoft is going to be launching an insider program for Surface Duo which is great but why uh, and it's not so much but why but but why now? Like, that would have been great when Surface Duo maybe released, when you had a lot of momentum and a lot of people using it and your best time to grab people for that program. Either way, it uh, looks like it's going to be a better way to get access to updates to the Surface Duo, if that's your jam. And so be on the lookout for that. And then the last little bit of Windows news this week is actually personal news. Uh, my company and me 
and my f developer friends over at Stardock, we released Window Blinds 11 this week. And this is an awesome app. This is the easiest way to like truly personalize your, your desktop. If you like Windows XP, you can make Windows 11 look like XP, including the start menu. Uh, we're also working on a Windows 95 theme, a Chicago theme, and I think that should be out here in the next few weeks. So uh, it's just a fun thing. That's like a classic Stardock app that's uh, been around for decades. So on to the gaming news uh microsoft this has been floating around you know they're going through the eu's the uk it looks like 10-year deal might be enough to get them over the hump uh for a lot of this regulatory stuff that's kind of coming down with the call of duties and so microsoft is a, you know going to start offering say look we'll guarantee it on playstation for 10 years now interesting the economist the economist a a publication that is known to write about the economy it's a pretty large one actually i've read the economist for a long time they are coming out in defense of microsoft being able to buy activision they wrote a long long article about this acquisition and they actually say hey uh this makes a lot of sense now the nutshell version here and and this is what they write and then i'll kind of break it down they say uh preventing microsoft from buying activision blizzard is as likely to harm consumers by stopping a new product from taking shape as it is to protect them from a big company with excessive market power. Now, the whole kind of crux of the economist argument about why Microsoft should be able to buy the Activision, and you got to bet that Microsoft is running with this too, because the economist is pretty well respected for the most part. Uh, they miss every once in a while, but whatever. Uh, the Economist is coming out and backing them, and they basically say, like, look, Apple and Google have a duopoly. Like, that has been all over the news. It's been on Twitter. Elon saying, like, I don't want to pay 30%. He went and talked with Apple this week. Coinbase came out. Like, every company is now coming out of the woodwork with a newfound confidence saying, like, look, Apple's screwing us by forcing us to charge 30%. Now, I'm not a huge NFT guy. I'm not a huge crypto fan in general. I like the economics of it. Um, but gas fees, which is effectively a, a, an analogous would be like, I Venmo a friend some money. Um, Apple wants 30% of that is what the gas fees thing on the NFT side, crypto side is. And it's ridiculous. Like Apple is getting real ballsy with what they were doing here. And uh, everybody's now coming out of the woodwork with newfound confidence, you know, saying 30% is ridiculous. And we'll see what happens. But either way, how this ties into The Economist is that they're basically saying like, look, if you want a true third-party marketplace to actually take on Google and Apple, Microsoft's your bet. And by doing that in the gaming section, that is like, that's the best potential way to go to the market with it. And that's their argument about why this could potentially hurt consumers more because, okay, Microsoft, you could argue Microsoft can still do this, but yeah, but they need as much, you gotta go in with your best, your best dealt hand possible and if they go into the market and they like it's like they're begging for activision to join their part right it's not going to work out as well and so it's a really interesting take and again it primarily focuses on mobile and and when you when you get sony out of the equation uh it makes a lot of sense and so we'll see we'll see if it's enough to really kind of push things through but the other point too is that by it's going to harm consumers just as much as it's it's not, it, the threat of Microsoft is much less than how much the consumers are being harmed by having a duopoly in the app stores is kind of how it breaks. It's a really good it's a good read, uh, especially you got there's a paywall. And so you got to go get you know, go read the paywall stuff. Go pay pay for journalism. You should. Uh, and so, yeah, it's interesting to see that it's aptly timed. See what I did there? Anyways, uh, also speaking of Xbox, other big thing happening, Lego Star Wars, if you have been a holdout like myself, because I'm pretty much a mooch for, if it's not a Game Pass, I'm probably not buying it, uh, except for except for Call of Duty, which I did buy, and whatever. Uh, Lego Star Wars now coming. I will actually probably give this a spin. 
it's amazing to me how many more titles I'm willing to try once they're in Game Pass. I mean, it's the obvious the metrics are there because it's like, hey, you're not going to be paying directly up front for it. Um, Vampire Survivors, I have played that. I, I don't know if I'm not going to like fully complete it. I got to I got a 30-minute run in. I had a lot of fun playing it. It's definitely worth checking out, especially if you have Game Pass. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. But I don't think I'm going to be able to beat the end, dude. And uh, it, to me, it's a casual game. It's not a hardcore, like, got to gotta get a thousand out of a thousand on the gamer score shot type of thing but i enjoyed it i absolutely enjoyed it so that's sort of the nutshell version of all the news this week again we're on the back end of thanksgiving and we're heading towards the holidays and so we'll see if anything else major comes out of most eyes like myself are waiting for the ftc to drop stuff which by the way is rumored to be happening before christmas so we'll see if that comes out what happens there so anyways on to the questions of the week. First question and coming in from Sydney2K. They say, a couple weeks ago, Phil Spencer revealed that Microsoft loses approximately $100 to $200 on each console manufactured. So that is from the Wall, I believe it was the Wall Street Journal Tech Live thing on stage is where he revealed that. However, it is true that once you produce and sell a certain number of product, the initial cost of components and materials is covered and that the product goes then goes into profit. Sony has said that the PlayStation 5 has reached that point, and even before the recent price and component uh, revisions. Has Microsoft reached that stage with the series consoles? And if not, when do you think it will happen? I would... There's a better chance that it has reached that point with the Series X than probably the Series S is my guess. The Series S, I mean, at 249 and even at one point was 199 that seems... If they're breaking even at that point, that is phenomenal. I would not expect that they are breaking even yet on the Series S, but the X, I would be more than likely to think so. Because you can look at the, the Sony comparable. If Sony is able to break even at the $500 price point, for their upper end console, Microsoft should be very, very, very close. And they didn't drop the price at all for the Series X. And maybe that's why they think that everybody who's buying it's going to buy it anyways. And so they can they can recap that margin a little bit there on that higher end console. Uh, but yes, Phil Spencer did say they lose 100 to 200 bucks is actually probably a bit more than I would have anticipated. But that's that's pretty hefty. And th the thing that sits in the back of my mind is, let's be honest, since the consoles have launched, things haven't gotten cheaper. So it's probably harder for them to actually break even, but that's really the game pass. And very clearly, Microsoft has a business model case developed and should be now proven at this point that like, hey, we know that X percent of people buying consoles are going to sign up for Game Pass. And we know that over X amount of months, we will make that margin back. So it's justified to take that loss up front. So uh, Confused Geek says, now that you have been a dev for a little bit, what have you learned that you didn't know? Well, I've always sort of been a tinkerer in the dev side. Like, I, I took quite a bit of C++ in high school, actually, and I did some stuff on the side, and I've always been a tinkerer. But this is probably, I guess, the true first dedicated software shop that I, I have ever run. I mean, this is my first, like, true... I didn't say true leadership position. I mean, I was a leadership position in, in the last company. But, um, you know, overseeing in, in all the product... Uh, you, I will say that shipping software is stressful, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, and that has probably been the biggest, biggest learning thing is really understanding like what is stress when you're shipping software and what is manageable because there's certain things you cannot control. There's a lot. I mean, we have 
hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, of daily active users. And so the permutations uh, and variations of all the different configurations, especially on Windows, is diverse. And we are a small shop. We're not Microsoft with a trillion dollars market cap making billions of dollars each quarter who have effectively infinite resources. So we have to pick and choose carefully about how we approach and solve problems. Uh, and so I think that's probably been the biggest learning is the effective management of time and resources to capitalize upon the most widest swath of configurations. That is a very MBA-like way to say like, hey, try to cover as much ground as you can with the least amount of wasted overhead uh, is the ongoing challenge because we could solve a lot of different problems, but we got we to gotta strategically choose how to approach and evaluate each one. So... Uh, you know, what have I learned? I mean, I'm learning every single day and that's the thing I love about what I do is I continue to learn and hopefully you do too. Uh, Mr. PKI says when with everyone leaving Twitter, are you losing followers and now posting always on Mastodon as well to maintain your pose or passe of windows insiders? So I do post to Mastodon quite a bit and I post to the Twitters. I, I haven't actually noticed any too much Twitter followers. My Twitter followers have been somewhere around 51 K for a while. Uh, it's almost, it's scarily close to the number of people following on YouTube. Like at one point, Twitter was larger than YouTube and then YouTube went larger than Twitter. And I think Twitter's slightly back larger than YouTube. And so they kind of go back and forth. I didn't notice too many drop-offs. Uh, Elon said they're purging a bunch of bots and usually like I get hit, you know, in a couple hundred when that happens just because uh, what's one of the interesting things is at least, I don't know what the number is now, but after you like, you hit like a certain amount, um, the, like the Twitter algorithm favors you and so you get a lot of bot followers because it's like, oh, this is a large account. We can have a bunch of bots follow it. And then it doesn't look like it's like they're oversaturated or something like that. Like it, it felt like it was around like used to be like 10,000. And now like the bots follow whatever accounts like default if they have over a certain amount. Um, it's, you know, that's a little outside my purview because I don't have all the details on the bots on the Twitter. Uh, but yeah, so we'll see if Mastodon Hive, I, it's like I've signed up for everything. Part of my, part of my idea is I just try to grab the username and then if the, the account blows up or the silver blows up, at least I have the username that I want. So I'm, I've done the post.news, I'm on the Hive, I'm on the Mastodon, I'm on the Twitters, the Grams, the Tubes, the Reddits, the everything. Uh, yeah, so either way. But no, I haven't really noticed too much of a drop-off. We'll see what happens. We'll see what Mr. Elon is able to continue to do. I think everyone, myself included, thought it would have crashed and burned by now. But so far, it's still floating around. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, let's let's hope for the best. Let's be optimistic on a Friday. Mr. PKI also comes in and says, It seems like a lot of new games are being added to Game Pass. And with the colder weather snowing, uh, at some of us at home in the United States, are there any new games that you would recommend trying out? Or are you just excited about all the new mods being created for Halo Infinite Forge? Um, candidly, I have not checked out Forge yet. I probably should. But noted a little bit previous. Check out Vampire Survivors. Vampire, yeah, Vampire Survivors. I always think it's Survivors Vampire. Vampire Survivors. That's a great, it's like sort of like an 8-bit-ish survivor game that's fantastic. Uh, the Lego Star Wars will probably be played too. I gotta get my kid into that because that makes it a lot more fun for me. Uh, but those two will definitely be on the agenda. And the next uh, content drop for Call of Duty happens December 14th. And so to your point, Mr. PK, a lot of stuff is being added Game Pass uh, inside and outside of Game Pass for that matter. And so this is like the high times for Microsoft, right? This is when they expect some of their highest levels of user growth for their services Christmas and then uh, bleeding into next quarter as well and then Q2 and Q3 they typically slow down because the weather gets warmer people go outside they hang out on the grass and climb trees and stuff 
and then they stop playing Xbox, and then the, the winter months, fall and winter months, they come back. And so this is high times, hopefully, for Microsoft subscribers. Hopefully, we get a new number. you got to remember, Game Pass, Sony leaked, if you will, that Microsoft had 29 million. So we should cross that 30 million subscriber mark here in the near future. We'll have to wait and see if Microsoft actually shares the data. And Roland00 comes in and says, What food dish actually makes you happy to eat at any get-together? I am a tried and true red-blooded American and macaroni and cheese. That is that is my comfort food no matter where I am in the world, no matter what sort of thing. Just mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. My wife makes it wonderfully, and uh, she makes it in a crock pot all day. Sometimes sometimes she makes it in a skillet, sometimes in a crock pot. It's delicious. Like, mac and cheese is just my comfort food. That That is carb loading. Uh, you know, carbs don't count in December. That's the rules. I don't make them. I just enforce them. So there you go. Anyways, friends, that wraps it up for this week. Hopefully you had a good week. We'll see what happens here in the week ahead. But sort of regulatory stuff comes down the pipeline. We'll see what else what happens. So hopefully you had a wonderful week. And as always, make sure to keep it subscribed here because the only BS on this podcast is me.